Do not blink. In the dark, we're finished. The hull is breached and the power's failing. We're surrounded. Amy? Five, four, three. Doctor, it's covered. I can feel it. Why are they making a count? To make her afraid, sir. Okay, but why? What for? For fun, sir. Doctor, she's got seconds. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Kyle Jones, and I want to start by welcoming back Lee Shackelford. Lee, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good, and hope you are the same. Pretty good, I can't complain. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, as of our recording, the 7th of July, 2020, we're still smack dab, hunkered down in a pandemic, but we're here. Yes, I guess that's the best we can say. We're here. That's right. But you know who I'm also glad I can say is here? Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? Hey, man, I can't complain too much. Uh, in the words of Olivia, which is on that show, which will not be meant anymore, the Cosby show, uh, I'm still alive. <laughs> Few people get that. That was the thing she said. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing she said. It was one of her uh, taglines as Raven Simone was a little still kid. Still alive. Yeah. <laughs> that's so Raven. No. <laughs> you kid. Yeah. Interesting view, at least for a short while. Anyway, that, that was cool. I was sitting here thinking, wow, that makes me feel old, considering the fact that she's a grown person, has a career of her own. She's not that adorable two or three year old child anymore. <laughs> yeah, this happens a lot. It's on and on. On and on. That's, that's why time continues to progress and, you know, it can be rewritten and done and so forth and so on. An interesting way of the way time can be rewritten is we do a new episode and we correct something that we may have erroneously said in a previous episode and specifically in the episode where we did a review of the second doctor story, which was the tomb of the Cyberman. Cyberman. Yes. Yes. So we made a reference to Toberman being in our thoughts as the first person of color who had appeared in Doctor Who proper or Doctor Who, because there was only Doctor Who really at that time. We (laughs) found out, thanks to Clarence Brown, that was not necessarily the case. There was a gentleman by the name of Earl Cameron who appeared in the story The Tenth Planet. So I have a buy. I've got a logical way out of it. For us, because, you know, I can say we made a mistake, but I would just kind of want to give us a buy. Any thoughts before I give us our buy? Any thoughts from the two of you? Mm. It, yeah, it is a lost serial. I mean, <laughs> the fact that we've never seen it is forgivable. Point taken. Clarence? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll just interject. Uh, it wasn't for me. It was actually posted by the BBC. They posted the passing, and I think I pasted you guys the tweet. And I was like, Ooh. "Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't get that part of it because I'm just looking him up uh, on IMDb right now, going, wait a minute, he just passed away last week. Yeah, he was a yeah. hundred and two. 
one of three Doctor Who actors to reach that milestone. Wow. 100, yeah. He was born in 1917. That's, that's imagine. Just think of the things that he, he saw in his life. Yeah, the good and the bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you think of getting to that age and the thought of keeping your cognitive abilities at that age. And if you are able to retain it, if you're one of the lucky people that are able to retain such as that and you get to that age, um, like you guys said, the good and the bad, but imagine having the century of experience that that mm-hmm. blows my mind, actually. Indeed. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to make it myself because um, I saw Halley's Comet in uh, the 80s when it passed the Earth back then. And um, when it comes around again, I will be 100 years old. Oh, wow. Come around in the centennial of my birth. And I, you know, there are people who see Halley's Comet twice. Let's make that happen. Let's make it happen. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Well, into the cryo chamber. Yes, yes. <laughs> Get into the cryo um, You know, maybe a... We wouldn't know anything about a relativity compensator, would you? No, no, because mm-hmm. that's that's obviously bogus. Mm-hmm. Okay. But so. if anyone wanted to know about a relativity compensator, I could maybe say that this part of Discussing Who was brought to you by the Relativity Podcast. Find out more at relativitypodcast.com. You could, I guess. Yeah. Could. All right. But I'm glad I didn't. But, you know, it's cool that I could. <laughs> right. So I do have some feedback, gentlemen. into the wild and fire. Oh, Dalekon. And I want to start out by saying, if you want to send us some feedback, you can reach out to us on social media. Just look for us at Discussing Who. You can send us an email to discussingwho at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail at 805-850-3946. So the first piece of feedback that I have comes from Claire Ashton. Now, in our previous episode, we mentioned some feedback that Claire gave us, and I held one of those until this week because I thought it was just worth holding on to and reading it this week. And I think you guys are going to really be impressed by or feel good about the feedback, mainly because we went into this particular episode making sure we treated it with such care. So here we go. Claire says, thank you, Kyle. I love hearing your take on a show that I consider very British. Your episode on Rosa will stay with me for a long time. Hearing from someone from whom Montgomery was lived history, added so much more depth to an already moving episode. You guys expressed your trepidation the week before, and to then hear you praise it for its authenticity right down to the unique accent. This made me feel even more proud of a show that which has been a part of my life since I started watching as a child when Tom Baker was the doctor. So, Lee, since you are the one from Alabama, what what do you think of that? Well, it just it makes me feel uh, all warm and tingly inside. It just, <laughs> no, it's, it's it is it's always lovely when I, I feel like we we, we try to be um, even handed and have good information and. You know, so whenever somebody appreciates that and uh, especially somebody who's been invested in the show. So, because, you know, Tom Baker was my doctor, too, like like most people in America, I think, uh, of, of uh, a certain age group. It sticks with you. Rosa was also one of my favorite of our 
first 200 episodes. <laughs> so, so yeah, I appreciate that she enjoyed our take on that, uh, as being uniquely positioned to have some knowledge of the subject of, uh, growing up in the South. Uh, sort of like we looked to Dave Cooper for, our, um, you know, UK knowledge and, and wisdom. That's right. Uh, we were able to do that. So that was great. Yes. And, and there was an episode about which we could weigh in and say, okay, since the three of us are from the American South, uh, <laughs> let, let's just, uh, yeah, <laughs> we got this. Yes. And, yeah. and you know what? It is so nice to be able to say, and just as a side note of history, as we are recording this, you know, we're talking about the American South in the sixties. You know, I can honestly say with, with complete sincerity and know that this is a true statement that living in Mississippi, the flag that we have had for all of the 100 plus years has finally been deemed as a law by the Mississippi legislature to no longer be our state flag with a Confederate emblem. So progress is being made. Woohoo. Woohoo. Yeah, such a tremendous achievement, man. Just... Let's take her to East stuff and then worry about the hard things. Yes. <laughs> that was an easy yeah. one. We should have been done. So uh kudos for finally doing it. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> Times have changed. Claire Ashton, thank you again for your feedback. Exactly. It means a lot. But what also means a lot, Rebecca Norris has sent us some more feedback. And I just want to say that these both came from our Facebook page. So again, anyone Yay. listening, reach out to us. Go to Facebook dot com backslash discussing who. So here we go. Hello. I just wanted to give a big all capital B-I-G. Thank you to Kyle, Clarence, and Lee. I found Discussing Who just a few weeks ago and am listening to the series 11 reviews as I'm watching the episodes for the first time, along with listening to some of the series 10 on the side. I've never really listened to podcasts, but I love this one. I love getting all three of your opinions, along with all the little details you guys pick up on. It's such a great accompaniment to the show. With being out of work due to the pandemic, discussing who has helped me keep occupied and not lose my mind. Laugh out loud. So thanks. <laughs> but if we can help sustain somebody's sanity, that's that's not only amazing that we're not actually making people more crazy, but uh, also just what a uh, what a what a gratifying feeling that is to know that we're helping somebody stay sane. Yes. Yeah. And trusting us to be a part of their companion piece to actually watching the show. That's right. Uh, that reassures me. Uh, I, I kind of can't wait to get back around and watching some of the episodes we've reviewed already uh, mm-hmm. in sequence and, you know, reviewing our podcast as well along with it. That was, yeah. that would be an interesting listen. <laughs> yes, it would. And you know what? It's funny that you said that because I've been thinking that eventually we will get to some of episodes that I know we've done like, uh, time of the doctor and day of the doctor. And I'm, all in for going a second round because by that time three or four years will have passed by the time we get there mm-hmm. and we'll be different viewers by then true so. and we there will be a 60th anniversary i feel sure oh I, i'm sure too <laughs> so I'm quite sure quite sure so gentlemen anything else before we get to my favorite part of the episode <laughs> of of this episode of discussing who you mean? Yeah, oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still hung up reading about Earl Cameron. He was amazing. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about him then. So well, but- <laughs> I'm just reading that that he was from Bermuda, and uh, there is a theater 
uh, in, I mean, he was an actor for the stage and screen. And, uh, if you go to Bermuda, Hamilton, Bermuda, you can go to the Earl Cameron Theater. It was named in his honor. Interesting. And, uh, and he, he was very late in life, but he was awarded a CBE. So he has been blessed by the Queen for his uh, contributions to drama. Wow. Uh, he, he's in Thunderball, which is a James Bond movie that I enjoy and, uh, which makes me want to see Thunderball again. <laughs> uh, which is funny that connects him to the, to Toberman, right? Because he was in live and let die. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. And, and even a footnote is uh, that he was considered for the role of Quarrel in Dr. Who. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Huh. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about these, these sort of superannuated uh, Dr. Who actors and uh, glad that I, uh, well, I, I, I met uh, Ian Chesterton. He's way up there now. Anyway. Oh, you did. You met Ian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming at Gallifrey. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm blushing because I'm suddenly blanking on the actor's name. That's, that's Mark Russell, right? Yes. No. Yeah. No. No. That's the name that popped into my head. Oh, for heaven's sake. Anyway. Okay. We're going to, we're going to look that up by the power of the internet. William Russell. William Russell. You yes. had it almost. Thank you. Yeah. I wonder who Mark Russell is anyway. But, uh, yeah, William Russell. Yeah. I met him at, uh, Gallifrey and got to introduce him to my son who is named Ian. And, uh, and I think, you know, the man's 90 something years old. You know, I think he, he came away from that understanding that I had named him Ian for that character. And, you know, that's fine. <laughs> you know, um, time keeps on slipping. Yes, indeed, it does. It does. So, but you know what? But time can be rewritten. But you know what can't be rewritten? Because, um, because our you, commitment to the spoiler. Yes, because what did you find out in our review of the beast below? You found uh, out that I'm going to do it regardless, oh, and yes, I may even do right? it twice. Yeah, even if you have to do it twice, yes. All right, but I promise this time I will only do it once. I will only one time say, as happy as it makes me, especially for an episode like this, to be able to say, if you have not seen Flesh and Stone, go out, watch the episode, put us on pause, come back. It doesn't matter what you do, but just come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 Somehow, whenever you say that, all I do is envision you in your living room river dancing or something. <laughs> jumping up and down. You know, that's, that's kind of the mental picture I have. River dance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, even though I don't know how to do that, wouldn't want to do that, it is appropriately named. I will give you that. That's true. I guess, yeah. Whatever you do is the river dance. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say that there is a hand gesture that I do when I say, if you have not seen this episode, go out, put us on pause, come back, because from this moment forward, I've already done it, so, but I'm still going to say it again. Spoilers, but not going to play the spoiler warning because... <laughs> you just said Say what now? Because you just said you wouldn't Absolutely. play Absolutely. So that means that I can say that Flesh and Stone is the fifth episode of the 2010 series of Doctor Who, originally airing on the 1st of May 2010. It starred Alex Kingston as Dr. River Song and featured Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor and Karen Gillan as Amelia Pine. So summary view. And Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. Summary view. What say ye? 
I really enjoyed it. It uh, kept the action going. Um, there were a lot of things that got explained a bit more in this second of the two-parter and some more mysteries that maybe were introduced. So all in all, I thought there were some good science fiction concepts that we that were, were um, on display. So I, I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it completely. What about you guys? All right, Lee Shackelford. Oh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I, I remembered that I have loved this story and uh, seeing it again. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the one where, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like that constantly. So uh, I, I love all the physics in it. I love all the, t- you know, the dealing with gravity and time and things like that. So and and we learned that the Byzantium has a forest in it. I mean, yeah. a spaceship that's got a forest in it. That's, yeah, that's weird. Posturous. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. where would you find a forest on a spaceship? I don't know. Uh, who, who knows? <laughs> who? But what I do know is I really enjoyed this too. This is one of those unusual episodes where they feel like it would be so easy to put them back to back. And I know it's a two-parter, but this could have easily have been a extra long episode and I don't think you would have gotten bored in it because it had great pacing. It had the character moments and there were only just a handful of actors that were in this story other than the weeping angels. So you didn't have a large cast to play around, you know, play around with. So I thought it was well done. I had a ball watching this, obviously. So you guys just made some references to some tropes of science fiction. So, Lee, I'll start with you this time. Pick out one of those tropes that, in your mind, best summarizes this episode. Mm-hmm. What was what what did Moffat utilize, or what technique did Moffat utilize the best in this episode? Technique or storytelling technique, maybe. We know that he loves to take something that is innocuous and make it horrifying. And one of the great conceits in this script is that we've been told that you are safe from the angels as long as you don't close your eyes. Well, Amy's in a situation where she can't open her eyes. Mm. So, well, I'm skipping ahead to the end of our episode, but this is my favorite scene is the doctor explaining to her over the communicator that they uh, the angels can't tell that she's doesn't have her eyes open i didn't quite follow that but anyway (laughs) as long as she (laughs) walks ahead like she can see they won't follow her and you know spurious logic or what or not that's completely terrifying and and yeah. you, you got to always doff your cap to Stephen Moffat he 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 literally figures out way to ways to make us afraid of the dark and you know be afraid of books and shadows and you know things like that so now it's just walking forward in a straight line <laughs> it's just yeah so so there's that um but but there is um sort of the base under siege thing in that the the we we've got a tunnel we've got a a path that we have to go through this immense ship and the angels are always just a step behind them. And that's, that's a good old doctor who formula, you know, and it's used to great effect here. I just, I just love it. Well, I have to say like uh, Lee kind of pointed it out at the very beginning, but it was the gravity, um, how it was used in this episode from not only getting on the ship itself uh, with that, you know, that dramatic end to the last episode, 
But, you know, when they actually get in the ship and how they choose to convey the perspective of when the doctor stands up, I thought that was brilliant. And ultimately how we push the angels back into the time rift. So uh, the way gravity was used as like a, a staple in this episode, I thought worked really well. Now, it did bring up one question uh, for me was, uh, can angels fly? But I guess in this case, they sh- just had to jump to, to get on the ship. Uh, but oh yeah, but the angels. I have a reference into what uh, Lee scene that he mentioned a second ago. But I'll wait later to bring it up because to me it was just a beautiful part of the episode. All right, so I'm going to kind of go in the middle of what you guys uh, just said, as I often do. I I did like the science aspect of it, but I've never been. I won't say I'm not a fan of the weeping angels. I like them as for what they are, but I've never been like really captivated by them. As far as some of the things that's been created since 2005 forward, I think they are one of, if not the best thing that has been created. Cause if you pair them up against things like the Sladeen, uh, hello, you know, <laughs> the, the, the weeping angels are iconic compared to them. But as far as being scared of them, I guess maybe it's because I haven't watched Blink that often, but hmm. the idea, the concept of walking in that forest and, and imagining your eyes shut out and the, the reaction of as he's trying to walk her through it. And Matt Smith does this great, like nonverbal, like, Oh, you know, I'm so frustrated and it, and it was conveying. And especially when you were imagining when you couldn't see Amy, what Amy was doing when you were seeing him, I just yeah. thought that that was so well done. Yeah. I, I have to admit, I really love that scene as well. And for me, it was both maybe my least favorite and most favorite <laughs> point of the episode because I do think it was a little weird that the angels can't sense. You know, her walking right in front of them. You know, we have the time riff as, as the excuse, uh, drawing all their attention. So that makes sense in that aspect. But it seems like when you see this, that one of them actually came through a television to get her. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But now, right in front but of them. Yeah. But, but, but again, like why that's my best scene as well is we get to see the angels move, which yes. I thought was so great and beautiful. <laughs> and scary at the same time. Very scary. Yeah. <laughs> and is that not the only time, it, perhaps, that we ever see the angel move? I'm I, not sure. I, either we see it again later, or I just remember this moment. And <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so something cool. that I learned at the uh, the Doctor Who exhibition in Cardiff, they had a display of weeping angel stuff, of course, and. Um, part of it was costume and makeup because some of those angels that we saw moving were actors who are doing this tremendous, uh, isolation. You know, it's like, um, oh, wow. like uh, break dancing or something. They're, they're moving only their neck and literally wow. no other part of their body. And of course, then this, this scra- stone scraping sound is added afterwards that really sells it. But some of them were. Uh, animatronic, a very simple kind of robot that that hmm. would just move its head and one arm. So, uh, and of course, they had uh, one of those at at the exhibition. But um, and, but I and I was I actually backed this up and watched it again. I can't tell you which one is 
just a statue with a very simple motor in it and which is an actor. So, you know, hats off to those performers. Yeah, that's amazing. I I actually thought it might have been CG. I didn't rewind it to watch no, it again. Nope. But it's all it, it's all practical and it was all filmed right in the camera. Yep. Wow. Looks yeah. amazing. It's great. And since we're talking about angel scenes, I was picturing all of these um weeping angel toys per se mm-hmm. or or ceramic whatever you want to call them or porcelain or plastic or whatever mm-hmm. they were but when we get to the scene where they're all being drawn into the crack in the wall mm-hmm. i'm thinking hmm those are probably you know where you could get merchandising that they've used because they were so <laughs> flat at the bottom and i was like yeah. that's one of the ornaments that uh, <laughs> uh lee got clarence <laughs> It, it is sort of the first time that we've really thought about what they look like on the bottom. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, oh, it's flat down there. Okay. But if hmm. they are statues, then they would be flat yeah. per se. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. All right. So any thoughts? You know, we, we talked about Angel Bob last time, but any more thoughts on the concept of Angel Bob? Because I think he... You know, I'll start. I think he deserves honorable mention, at least, because to my knowledge, again, I think this is the only time we've ever heard the weeping angel, you know, have a a communication with the weeping angel. Any other time that I can recall that we've ever seen him, there has been no verbal communication. So I think Angel Bob deserves at least a second mention. So any thoughts on Angel Bob? I had completely forgotten about this thing when they're trying to work their way through the Byzantium that, uh, and the doctor sits in the chair, which looks like Captain Kirk's chair. And, <laughs> you know, and I think that's deliberate. I mean, you can make a chair all kinds of ways, but <laughs> he's sitting in the captain's chair and uh, talking to Angel Bob. And Bob is doing that thing again of trying to, trying to freak him out, trying to, to uh to to terrify the doctor and everybody else and it's a it's it's a real flesh crawling scene yeah it and when I, when I think of bob i i think of how much or how lesser this episode would have been without him i think it just would have felt like a totally different episode it's that right amount of creep and 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 scary that the doctor can bounce his thoughts off of his ideas off of which is you know kind of allowing him and and Bob as well to kind of convey these different points of view to the audience. I think without Bob, maybe they would have found some other way to, to do something similar, but it would have felt like a totally different episode to me. Uh, so in that aspect, I, I thought it was really cool to see, um, to see Bob and see him go away, I guess, eventually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I Absolutely. think the answer to my question that I'm about to ask is going to be, if I were to speculate on was this actor chosen by his physical performance in the brief amount of airtime that he had, or was mm-hmm. he chosen because of the sound of his voice in recording? And I would speculate that he was chosen because of the sound of his voice in recording because he kills it as Creepy Bob. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any question. He's... Yeah, those auditions were all about what he's going to sound like. So let's talk about Father Octavian and specifically Father Octavian's interactions with River, because 
I will be honest and go ahead and say this was something that did not sit with me when I watched it. It did not sit well, and it kind of, for lack of a better, kind of ticked me off because I didn't like the way they framed River with him. And I know for the storyline of the mystery of River, we needed that. But what did you guys think of the way he framed River as you shouldn't trust this woman and et cetera and so forth? What Any uh, thoughts? I don't know. I mean, we've seen this in other movies before where the prisoner is the one person that can help solve this bigger mystery, I guess. So he was... He was um entrusted to keep an eye on her and and see if she executes his mission correctly. As I guess she's the only person that complete this can, can complete this mission. Excuse me. So I mean, in that sense, he was looking out for himself and his men. So I can't really blame him too much for maybe knowing which this is a huge spoiler. So I'm not gonna not gonna say it, but knowing what happens to the good man and knowing who the good man is. So he has to have a heightened <laughs> sense of uh, awareness on what's going on in the current situation because he knows kind of the future, I guess. I don't know if this makes well, Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure it's ever made clear how much he knows. Well, he, he knows why she's in prison. But does he know who she uh, yeah. supposed to kill? He takes time to articulate a very good man to the doctor. Uh huh. He, that's like several minutes of the episode where he kind of yeah. lays it out. So I don't know. Maybe the, maybe that's no. But see, no, I, I, I agree with Clarence too. I just, I, I feel like this is a guy who is all about doing his job. And I, yeah. I, I admire all of that so very much. And, and part of it is to make sure that he, finishes his mission, which, you know, is going to involve getting all of his people through this, destroy the angels, put River back in the box. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, no funny business. And he already, he already knows how tricky she is. Yeah. So it's, it's part of his job to, to say to the doctor, listen, what I see here just objectively is you starting to trust her. Don't do it. Yeah. I, you know, I thought it all makes sense. And it also works very great for, you know, the big arc here to set up this, you know, she, she killed a good man. And for us and for everybody in the audience to go, ooh, I think she killed a doctor. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> ooh how's that going to happen? <sighs> yeah. And, you know, you talk about the larger picture and I agree with what you guys just said, but you talk about the larger picture and you see from his point of view, yes, we know River. Yes, we're fans of River. You better be. And, uh, yes, that was a threat. But yes, because I know you, you guys are fans of River because, you know, reality would break if you weren't. But, um, you know, all that said, we didn't as an audience back then know who River was. And you had to have some way to make us sit here and go, hmm, ooh, is she the Ronnie? Ooh, who, who Mm. might she be that's bad? Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. because the, you see her and you assume she's good in her previous, but this puts that into doubt. And I think you needed that for the mystery. Clarence, I think you were about to say something. No, no, I was just going to say that, like, at the at the very beginning, although um, Father Octavian kind of trust in River to complete the mission, he trust her more. 
He doesn't completely trust her, but he trusts her more than he trusts the doctor. But by the end, I think he trusts the doctor more than he trusts her, which I thought that was interesting um, how that played out. So what did you guys think? And Clarence, I'll start with you. What did you guys think of that final scene between Father Octavian and the doctor? Yeah, I think we just kind of hinted at it a second ago. But um, yeah, he again, like you don't know how much he really knows, but he seems like he really had to get this point across to the doctor on what who River actually is and what she could possibly do. You know, so, I, you know, I, I thought that all was good. And it was, you know, I love the fact why well, I'm not going to say love. It was interesting that he knew he was gone. So I thought that was very heartfelt and. Oh no, <laughs> no, I'm gone, but let me get this last statement out before uh, you move on to try to complete the mission. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. Lee, what about you? Any, any, cause I, uh, let me go ahead and say this. I yeah. liked his final thing of where he says to the doctor, you knew me or you knew, you know me at my best. I just thought that that was really good, especially considering that this was a man of faith. I thought that was really poetic. Yep. Cool. I like that. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I'll talk more about it later. <laughs> so, so what about the other characters that slowly disappeared in the crack in the wall or the crack in the universe or crack wherever? Yeah. What did you think? Lee, I'll start with you. What did you think about the way they played through that scene of three, two, one, zero? Right. And isn't that the most terrifying? It, it's another one of these, these things where Moffat has figured out a way to make us, uh, make our flesh crawl with something that seems innocuous. I mean, these are soldiers. They've, they've seen their comrades die before probably, but these guys are disappearing and the people left behind don't know they were ever yeah. alive. Yeah. That, that's the only way you could make that worse. Mm. Yeah. Oh, oh no, no! It does get worse because each one doesn't know that the others were have ever existed or gone before them. So they keep doing it. I'm just going to go look at this light for a minute. I'm not going to get too Jeez. close. That's Women's. what the others said. What others? I don't know what you're talking about. Ah, yeah, Clarence. Uh, exactly what Lee said. Limits to the slaughter. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I feel like a small play on what the um, what did they call them? The different group of angels that were on Earth in uh, Blink kind of did. Scavengers the, or whatever. Yes, yeah, scavengers by taking it to the past. But he kind of spent it and put it on the time rift <laughs> and say, oh, you're just not going to exist at all. Which, um, yeah, that is scary. Yeah. And at first uh, – uh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, at, at first I thought it was a, a was going to be a plot hole, but he, he kind of explains it with Amy – and the doctor river and the time energy, um, why they can, they can be able to retain those memories. Uh, which, yeah, that, that is, that is really creepy, man. Well, I'll take it. I agree with again what you guys said, but I'll take it from the other point of view. Amy is sitting there with her eyes shut, can't open them. And no matter what she says, these are military people. They, they're following orders and, their reality is changing while hers is not. And the concept mm. as the character for Amy to sit there and pretty much know, even though she's still telling them, but she knows deep down, it doesn't matter what I say because they're about mm. to be gone 
Yeah. In a matter of seconds, minutes, yeah. however long. And because she's a girl, they're not going to listen to her anyway. Oh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 not, well, quick, quick, do we know why she was able to open her eyes for like a minute when the doctor said if you open them a second, you would die? Mm. I have a theory, but I want to. I'm curious. It, it makes what a Lee cool. <laughs> I think it makes it makes a cool shot. It makes a cool sequence. That's <laughs> I ah. But but watching it again, I did wonder that too. I thought, well, she should be dead by now. What? what, hmm? what hmm? So that crack in the funny. wall has been is is yeah. intricately tied to her. The crack in the universe is intricately tied to her. I was actually expecting them to come back and say that that was what purged her of the angel, that the angel disappeared when she looked into, you know, the crack and saw the energy. And that was when the angel actually disappeared. They didn't go that. I think that would have been a smart way to have done it, but they didn't do Mm -hmm. that. But I'm thinking she was immune because she is so intricately connected to the crack in the wall. Yeah, it's now her get-out-of-jail-free card in addition to everything else. So, yeah. Yes, interesting. Speaking of get-out-of-jail-free, I want to mention <laughs> one other thing uh, before I move on to one other thing that I want to talk about, which is there's the scene on the beach where River has this banter back and forth with the doctor. And, Lee, I'll start with you. Any thoughts or comments <laughs> on the banter back and forth with the doctor? Oh, they're, they're so much fun. I just, the, you know, this is why I feel like I don't know what they think she did, but she's a good person and yeah. I like her and I'm glad that they're together. And, you know, the, the, the kind of smirking almost, it, it is a sex joke, but I mean, but it's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not vulgar, you know, it's just like yeah. you, me, handcuffs must it always end this way. <laughs> you know, that's just, it's just cute. I just, it, it's, it's one of the reasons why we love River Song. But she does spill it, doesn't she? She says, you'll see me again when the Pandorica opens. Yes. And the yeah. doctor laughs. He says, the Pandorica, that's a fairy tale. And aren't she says, all. aren't we all? I'll see you there. And the doctor says, I look forward to it. And she says, I remember it well. <laughs> Isn't that great? This story's so confusing. <laughs> I look forward to it. I remembered well. All right. <laughs> so, Clarence, what about you? Because I have a good follow-up to that. Uh, you go ahead, sir. All right. So you said, uh, you know, you brought up the handcuff thing, and then you talked yeah. about the banter that they just had. The handcuff thing, from her point of view, she just said that. He's already heard it because she will say it again in the future. In the library ah, with the handcuffs when uh, she handcuffs him in the future to the thing she handcuffs him to. Yes. And she says the same line about the handcuffs. So he's already heard that. That's right. Yes, it was. Literally. All right. Clarence, what about you? Uh, Nothing to really add except um, uh, Alice Kingston is radiant in that scene and the fact that his love is going back to prison, I mean, or to possibly be parted, I guess we don't know. It felt, I felt a little sadness from, from Matt Smith to see her leave, but you know, with the, the optimism of seeing her when the Pandora opens, I guess gave him a little more off at the very end there. Good, very good point. You know, you could not have provided a better segue into the one thing I do not like about this episode, because you said that, you know, to see his love going away back to prison, 
he goes with Amy back to present day and oh, 2010. Man. And we have the scene. <laughs> Yeah. The doctor has some willpower, man. <laughs> yeah. He has some willpower because, wow, I had forgot about this, man. Oh, my God. No one talks about it because it is like, what was Moffat thinking here? Oh, a lot of people have talked about this. And I, <laughs> I, and I know because okay, well, I, I don't talk about it, but I'm talking about it here. Yeah. No, I, I just mean that, yeah, I've, I've, I've been, you know, at conventions and on social media talking to people about this. I, uh, I'm with Clarence. I, 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 I always hear this song from Hamilton, you know, Lord, tell me how to say no to this. But, uh, but he is not interested. I am over 900 years old and you're human and you're Amy. And to me, that's, that's yeah. the big thing. I met you when not, you not, were a I'm child. I'm older than you. Yeah, you're you're seven years old when I look at you. Okay, so and and I know I know our our our, our listeners who are, are are you know kind of classic Who fans like me. You know, one of the things that we always enjoyed about the show was that for once we were looking at a at a you know a superhero or a, you know adventure story where there isn't a, a romantic interest. It's just like that's not what the story's about. So uh, there were, well, I, I heard uh, um, a Janet Fielding talking about uh, how there were watchdog groups who were always, you know, trying to make sure that that she and the that uh, Tegan and the Fifth Doctor, you know, never got t- too close to each other alone wow. in the TARDIS. You know, they were always saying they didn't want any suspicion of hanky panky in the TARDIS, mm-hmm. and everybody on the show thought. That is this boy. Are you barking up the wrong tree? Go, go yeah. pick on some other show because no, just because no. And, and that, that kiss in the Doctor Who TV movie with the eighth doctor for a, a lot of us, we were throwing stuff at our screen saying wow. no, no. And then, you know, th- then we've had Rose and the 10th doctor. And yeah, for a lot of us, that, that just, that just kind of hurts. It's like, no, this is not. Uh, we there's so many things about new who that we can accept and say this is still our beloved show but this goes over a line but then this scene in this episode i love this flesh and stone so much but amy trying to seduce the doctor just makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up i understand it in story terms it's a great performance from both of them it all makes sense but steven no no, and I guess I'm a bad person for watching it five times, but still, <laughs> but still, the human um, animal. But yeah, you, you mentioned Rose, and I think of, of Martha as well, uh, where yes. the love wasn't per se returned back to them. And then I think this probably fi- falls uh, more along the lines of Donna. And hear me out. Donna shuts him down just point blank. No, I mean, that ain't yeah. happened. No, you know, she shuts him down. I think the tension is there already and they wanted to just go ahead and, okay, let's shut it down in a very awkward fashion. <laughs> but let's get this out the way. It's not happening. No. And then the very next episode, we go into her boyfriend and, yeah, you know, we'll um, we'll Beyonce. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so no. it was, 
Go ahead. I, I, I was interrupting you, but yeah, but just to say, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you, uh, you, you reminded me of the Shakespeare code where, where uh, the doctor and Martha are going to uh, spend the night in the same room. And uh, he lies down on the bed next to her. And I don't remember how that scene plays out, but she's sort of wondering, okay, uh, so this is happening, you know? <laughs> well, he's, he's doing that because there's only one bed. He, yeah. he has no idea that she's thinking anything else. And, and that's that's the doctor that, that's the doctor that I know and love, you know. Yeah. And and it's not if he were if he were after Amy in this scene, I think everybody would agree that's wrong. That would never yeah. have gone for the camera, right? Yeah. That's yeah. that's just wrong. Um. So she has to be the aggressor in this scene, and and, and I and I I think you're right that a lot of my discomfort with it is just that it 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 we know that. That it has to be dealt with. So this is how we're going to deal with it. It just it just hurts me to have to get past it this way. But I, I yeah, see, no, I, I understand. I, <laughs> I can't deny that it's funny. It's a funny scene. I I I really admire the way they both play it. It's just mm. and, and maybe fun. I think we do follow up on it a little bit in this next episode. You know that that we're about to review next week, but. Mm. I remember watching this and I felt so freaking uncomfortable because, really? yeah, because it, it made me uncomfortable because I've watched Amy now for five episodes and I'm going, Oh, I really like this. No, oh, I don't know if I still like this character because mm-hmm. we, you know, mm-hmm. we go into this. She's about to be married. She's. You know, and I know men and women before they, you know, there's people are human and they make mistakes. I get all of that. And, you know, I'm with that. But still, this is Doctor Who, you know, and I I thought that that was a bad character choice that could have potentially turned the audience off to Amy. I think it is a testament to Karen Gillan that we all forget about that. You know, we, I didn't, I actually thought it was that this scene happened at the end of the beast below. I didn't remember that it was after, you know, this particular episode. So I was watching the beast below totally expecting (laughs) this to happen at the end. Yeah. You know, and, and my brain remembered that being the episode. Clarence, you did a good explanation. I think one of the best that I've heard of explaining a way why we had to have this scene happen. So kudos to you because it helped my brain yeah. wrap around the whole concept. Well, yeah, yeah, me too. I, I, I really appreciate your framing it that way. I don't think I've thought about it, before, but yeah. the fact that the, the, the way the scene goes is with the doctor saying, ha ha, no, no, yeah. not now, not ever. So yeah, we're done with that. End of conversation. Yeah, and, and, and just to go back to her introduction as a older person, <laughs> the uh-huh. first scene we get is the, the doctor looking at her awakening with, um, the, the kissogram. That's true. Uh, uniform. Also, so from the beginning, they were, they were trying to, I don't know if it was a way to pull in more people into the show. They were selling the Bro. sex, the sex party first, uh, with these two young guy, uh, guy and gal <laughs> running around. But yeah, I mean, it's something they had to get out of the way, and uh, maybe this wasn't the the most uh, or the best way to do it, but I think they get the point across, and hopefully from here on out, it's a straight and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> or are we just 
Ah, no. <laughs> too old and too square. No, we're not Captain Jack. That's all I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. We're not Captain but, but Jack. There's, there's got to there's gotta be something along that continuum. <laughs> it doesn't have to be one or the other. But, I don't know. But, but it does, in a way, set the stage for there not to be that romantic triangle, even though they do kind of hint at a certain couple of things, you know, and I, th- I think as we go through these, uh, next four or five episodes, there, there will be scenes, one in particular that I'm thinking about, and it may happen next episode between Amy, I mean, excuse me, between Rory and the doctor that, that the tension is more now not between them. And I don't mean a sexual tension, but a territorial Tension. Yeah, yeah. They're frolicking with my girl, man. Yeah. What, what's exactly. the deal? What right. the heck, man? <laughs> exactly. All right. So, gentlemen, do either of you have any other things that you want to bring up before we do our favorite scene and favorite quote? I just want to reaffirm that this is remarkable now that we know that this is the first, this, this two-parter was the first thing shot with this cast because the chemistry well, like in the scene we were just talking about, isn't that amazing that yeah. we're all just sort of figuring out who these characters are? And the byplay between Alex Kingston and Matt Smith when they're anyway, they, <laughs> they're just they're just remarkable. Exactly. And uh, and the doctor and Amy and and as I was saying last week, part of what I love so much about this doctor is his sort of um almost autism spectrum thing where sometimes he starts talking and he he's like he's not aware that he's talking he's thinking but he's also narrating his own thoughts and in the process of it he's going to realize what it is he's thinking about and he in this episode he actually you know because i i I know and love a a lot of people who are on spectrum i i know this is part of what they do so that's why (laughs) and he he outright says it in this episode the octavian says doctor we're too exposed here we have to move on the doctor says we're too exposed everywhere and amy can't move in any way that's not the plan river Mm -hmm. says there's a plan and the doctor says i don't know yet i haven't stopped talking yes the wordplay it's so good so good in this episode and I remember, I, I remember that sometime, somewhere along the way, the doctor referred to his process as doing a thing. And I couldn't remember where it was. It's in flesh and stone. Uh, he says, we're going to stabilize the wreckage, stop the angels and cure Amy. How? Well, I'm going to do a thing. What thing? I don't know. It's a thing in progress. Respect <laughs> the thing. Oh, man. Makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> me too. All right. So, Clarence, anything that you had that you wanted to bring up before we get to quote and scene? I think we've covered it all, man. All right. So then I must ask you, what was your favorite scene? Uh, again, I think we mentioned this earlier. It's when Amy was walking through the angels. Um, again, my least and favorite scene all wrapped in one because <laughs> – Man, um, I loved how the angels moved in that scene. Um, and it was really cool to see the doctor kind of, kind of walk, um, Amy through. Now I did wonder, which they eventually do, why didn't they just go and get her? I don't know if they gave us a reason why they couldn't just go and get the blind girl or the girl that couldn't open her eyes. Uh, but you know, um, river comes through in the end. So yeah, I, I loved all that. All right. And I think she had to fix the teleporter was why they couldn't do it at the beginning. And they're a long way off by now. They've made a lot of progress through the Byzantium. So going back, I, I don't know. 
Hmm. But they open the shield and they look into the forest. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Ribbly wobbly story, worry. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah. I, I need a I need a, uh, a diagram plan and view of the Byzantium. And I'm sure somebody has done one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Lee, what was your favorite scene? Oh, same scene. Yeah. For, for all the same reasons. It's just, um, yeah, those close-ups of her shoes. <laughs> oh, I want <laughs> those. I just, uh, it is. It's just so terrifying. And, and here, this is, a, um, as, as I'm talking about the doctor as being autistic, at the same time, this is so instinctive of this actor of, of Matt Smith that he does something that it shows extreme empathy, which is not uh, unfortunately something that happens with most people on spectrum. But as he's telling Amy what to do, every time he says you have to close your eyes, keep them shut, he closes his eyes and, you know, screws up his face. He's forcing his eyes shut like, as if he can do it for her by remote control, you know? Yeah. It's it's such a powerful image on screen, and it just shows that what's in his mind is her and nothing else. It's just just fabulous. Yeah. So, what's your favorite scene in this episode? Okay, so my favorite same one. Well, well, it is the precursor to this scene, oh. and it is the one that I forgot to mention. So, so I'm glad mm -hmm. it's my favorite scene. It is the scene where the doctor and Amy are talking. With when Amy has her eyes shut and we'll talk about that scene later in a later episode, but that is my favorite scene specifically because we will talk about it in a later episode. Interesting. Mm. Yep. Do, so do, and I'm wondering, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Awesome. Well, then I'm not going to tell you, but I will say that we will talk about this scene in a later episode and you're going to go, wow, I can hear you now. That's going to be a good wow. So that is my, and because of that very reason that it's going to be a good wow, that is my favorite scene. So favorite quote, I will start. River Song says something that she repeats quite often in the future or the past, whichever it may be. I hate you. So. <laughs> no, you don't. That is my favorite favorite song i mean favorite say uh quote i hate you no you don't he's your favorite song too yeah <laughs> she is my favorite song so there you go um all right so i have one final question and i will start with you clarence where else might you be found on the internet i thought we were doing i thought we were doing can i get my favorite quote oh i'm sorry <laughs> wibbly i i got I, I looked into the crack of the universe for a second and kind of lost this? it yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so favorite Wait a quote. Minute. What was your name again? Oh, sorry. Hello, I'm Lee Shackelford from the Relativity yeah. Podcast. Hello. Okay, so favorite quote, whoever wants to say it. Yeah, mine is between Father Octavian and River Song, where Father Octavian says, Dr. Song, I've lost good cleric today. Do you trust this man? I absolutely trust this. Trust him. He's not some kind of madman. I absolutely trust them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking with the first question, if you don't mind. Oh, boy. Awesome. Lee Shackelford. This episode changed my life. It really did. Um, I have, I've, I've often wondered about how I'm going to die. And if I got to choose, I think I'd like it to be doing something heroic, you know, and not just expiring in a hospital bed or something like that. And, um, but I don't understand. I've never understood people who deliberately put themselves in in situations where they're bound to die. You know, I've never. I don't quite get that. 
Um, but I, after seeing Flesh and Stone the first time when it aired, I remember coming away from it thinking, this is how I want to go. Something like this. Because the Doctor and Octavian have fought through the whole first episode, right? They do not like each other and they don't see each other's point of view. But here in this moment, when the angel's got his arm around Octavian's neck, the doctor says, you'll die. Octavian knows. He says, I'll die in the knowledge that my courage did not desert me at the end. For that, I thank God and I bless the path that takes you to safety. How about that? And the doctor is moved as are we. And he says, I wish I'd known you better. And Octavian says, I think, sir, you know me at my best. Mm. Wow. Very good. Isn't that something? Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to, your last words to be something like that? Yeah. Must have that type of courage, man. At, oof. Just and to, maybe think of Peter. <laughs> well, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's deep. Very deep. But very true. But not to bring sound. Well, yeah. You know. And, yeah. and, and isn't that the beauty? We, we've asked ourselves recently, and we've been talking about it recently, going back and forth on why is the character of the doctor important to you? Well, this is more of a story of the doctor, but the character of the doctor creates moments like this that you can have the the personal revelation that you just told us about, Lee. You know, that that is the beauty of being able to talk about a character as rich as the doctor. And I'm not talking monetary. I'm talking about uh-huh. right. <laughs> from, the, from a character yeah. perspective to have that much depth of a character that you can be moved as a person mm-hmm. that, that speaks libraries, not volumes, libraries, Absolutely. you know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. So, well, you know, what's a good way to put it. I would say I'm going to put a question to you. And that question is Lee Shackelford. Where might you be found on the internet? Are we not rating this? You don't have your notes. Oh my you? goodness. Hello. I'm telling you, I keep staring into the crack in the wall and my brain yeah. st- says that I need to give this a five. I hate you's out of five because <laughs> that is literally my, re- because I thought this was a brilliant episode and I don't know where my brain is other than it is in the crack in the wall. But yes, five out of five. Yeah, five I hate you. So <laughs> not you, no, but but don't. you know I know. Yeah. Qu- River song quote I yes, hate you. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. She she's always smiling when she says it. That's how oh, I hate you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to warn you guys, just I was thinking about this earlier. I'm going to warn you, there is a, an episode coming in series six that I'm going to have a lot of fun with. And when we get to our favorite scene and our favorite quotes, we probably want to like cut down the other part of the um, episode, maybe 20 minutes, because then we'll get to my favorite scene and favorite quote. <laughs> so just warning you, series six, it's coming. So um, there you go. All right. So ratings from the two of you go for it. Oh, yeah. five, um, five muddy sneakers for me. I guess that's <laughs> 10. Five muddy pairs of sneakers. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Clarence. Uh, mine will be five dropped walkie talkies in the forest out of five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sweet, 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 sweet. 
All right, gentlemen, this has been fun. And unless I'm, I'm shutting my eyes, I'm not going to look into the crack in the wall again. So hopefully I am correct. And maybe this was just all planned out from the beginning to, to give a slant to this episode. Who knows? But I will say yeah, that wasn't true, but uh, I will say where else might you be found on the internet? And I'm going to start with Clarence Brown this time. I'm not going to say where to find me. I'm going to give a parting gift, which is to check out Ben Fold's song called Erase Me in honor of the guys walking into the crack in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Erase Me by yeah. Ben Fold's wonderful song. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I really like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Lee Shackelford, what say ye? Oh, please, please, please look in on relativitypodcast.com. And, uh, particularly if you haven't been, if you haven't subscribed to the show before, you still have a while to catch up before we begin airing the new episodes on July 20th. Bum, bum, bum. Which Don't will be any good. day now by the time this episode goes out because it should yes. go out likely around the almost 15th through the 20th. So. Oh. It, Crikey. Okay. So yes, that would be awesome. So, mm. the, and it can be binged in, in very quick succession because I've been doing that lately. So I have two of the people that I recorded with. Well, the, actually the last two people that I recorded with for relativity both told me that they had, uh, they didn't want to come to a recording without knowing the show. So they both binged it of uh, <laughs> one through 50. And, uh, they said that it was, you know, that they, it was not a difficulty for them that they found it thoroughly delightful to do. So, yay. I will say this before we close. It does give a different feel to the character. And I used this word a few minutes ago, uh -huh. and I'll use it again. It does add a richness to the characters. Hearing the story unfold back to back to back to back, it does add some richness to it. So. Yeah, and it's it's, it's a, that's always going to be fascinating to me because it was totally unplanned. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Yes. So for everyone listening, if you've wondered what is wrong with Kyle tonight and you want to say, you know what, I enjoyed this show, even though he absolutely was off his proverbial rocker, we want to hear from you. <laughs> so how do you do that? Just go to Facebook, look us up at Discussing Who. And with that, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.